So I want you to turn two different places. I want you, if you want to look in the bulletin, there's a specific passage there. We got caught this week a little kind of uh, off guard. They had asked me, there was a big ABC News show here in town, or a TV show, reality. It's called uh, Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition. And um, they called me a couple weeks ago, uh, one of the, the, actually the president of the council here in Shadyside, city council, and wanted to know if I would do the prayer for a balloon release. And, of course, I'm up for that, and um, that's what we do, and we want to be influential, and we want to serve the community. So uh, it was kind of cool when they called, and that was uh, Thursday a week or so ago. Well, they'd known it for a couple weeks, so I don't know what took them so long, but uh, they invited me in. And then uh, Tuesday last week, they, um, we had a meeting, an organizational meeting, and we found out that they didn't have a DJ set up yet, and they didn't have that resolved. And, and then the other thing is, is they really needed volunteers. Well, gosh, how many know Sunday morning would have been a good time for me to know that so that I could ask for volunteers? Because they needed people handing out cups of water and they needed people doing different functions. And, uh, but I only learned about it Tuesday night. And they said, listen, you guys really come for, you know, do the loop festival. You guys do all these other things. Could you help us with doing some water stations and can you help us get some set up? And by the way, could Joel do the DJ thing? And so we learned that actually Joel learned he was going to DJ on Thursday, I think, or Friday. So somebody else they had fell through and they needed us. So unfortunately, all of you didn't, weren't involved in that. We had men's breakfast that, that, uh, that, that Saturday planned. We put it on the board. We're ready for that. And yet that it's kind of like, what do I do? Because I can't, I, I like to be with the men, though they don't need me to have a men's breakfast, but I need some of the men who will be at that breakfast. <laughs> so we just, uh, we did that. And that, I just want to tell you, Bridette, that's not meant to be, that men's breakfast isn't important. It was just that I was caught in the little crossfire here trying to figure out what's, what's the better thing to do. So some might have shown up on Sunday, Saturday morning for men's breakfast, and, and I didn't let you know that. And guess what? I need your grace. I was sure busy. I wasn't like I was goofing around, uh, you know, over those next days because we had balloons. Joel designed a wonderful balloon for, for PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, there was a, uh, a friend of ours, somebody Joe's worked with. I've worked among Mike Karkowski, and he, um, he took his life down at the plant down at the end of Shadyside by the care center. And uh, he had post-traumatic stress disorder. So... Um, we, we actually knew the guy. We actually, Andra, if any of you remember Andra, Edgar, that, uh, that was, uh, uh, Melissa is her friend and that's how we met and we were helping to do some remodeling on her home. And that's how I met Mike and he coached, uh, he coached T-ball and, and little league and he coached, uh, flag football and he was involved in the community. And one of the most impacting things for me is that he represents what I know goes on in people's lives all around and that is that he had these, uh, the, the balloon that we designed is a saying we found that says, uh, not all wounds are visible. So there's a woundedness that especially military personnel would carry with them because of what they've seen or what they've done. When you're charged with combat, and you know, there's what they sometimes even call friendly fire. That means that when you're shooting guns, sometimes bad things happen to innocent people and bystanders. When you're dropping bombs... And like it or not, that's a reality. And we've got to deal with that reality that there would be people who carry these burdens. And what are we doing for them? And PTSD, they're 
what are you going to do? Just give them some prescriptions, some, some meds to take? And that doesn't make the pain go away. I know Jesus is the cure. But here it is. The other thing is, is to have friends and family and to have a network and to have a church body. And then for us to, to learn to lean on one another so we can bear one another's burdens. And so in this case, here's a guy who seemingly has it all together and he's, he's doing all this. He was actually an encourager. He was a, a brilliant person, a bright light, if you will. And yet one day at the factory, he chose to jump into a, a machine that shreds metal. That's, that's not a little, you know, I call that, that's not a BB gun. See, that's not, you know, that's not cutting my wrist. That's not a cutter. That's somebody who is done with it and says, I'm, I'm, I'm so over it. And yet, you know, for me, part of my failure would be is that I didn't have a relationship with the guy to the degree that he could have said, Pastor, I just feel, I feel like ending it. Folks, suicide is not the answer. I want to be sure to tell you that right now. I can't tell you that it sends you to hell. I can't tell you that it's a quicker way to heaven. I, I, don't, I don't know that answer. I just know this. It snuffs out the potential. That's what it does. It takes the potential that God has for you, that he wants to be your cure, and he wants to heal you, and he wants to restore you. And I just want to give you that. You keep on fighting, but don't do it alone. Don't go it alone. So this weekend... Yesterday was, uh, was just an opportunity for us to come alongside. So I appreciate all those who are here Wednesday night because that became part of our army, if you will, and uh, you helped pull it off. And ABC was here, and they were filming for this show that will be aired in, in May, but it will feature Shadyside. And uh, Melissa is doing a thing. We're probably going to make it an annual race. And it was called Miles for Mike, Mike Karkowski and uh, probably make it an annual thing and trying to create an awareness. When I said PTSD, did you know what we were talking about? And a lot of people don't. As a matter of fact, I haven't run into anybody uh, over the last, since Thursday of last week, I haven't heard anybody who knew what PTSD was. Now, I might have been talking to the wrong crowd, but uh, I've just been talking about that, and I've found nobody really knows what it is. So it's, it's a traumatic event, and it's sustained time with it or just exposure to it. And some of these, these men have served over in Iraq or in Afghanistan. They've been there for a year, a year and a half. And that means they've left their families and they've left their comfort zones and they've left their support network. And they're there. And yes, we're buddies and comrades, but at the same time, it's just not the same. And then you're going out and having all these things and you're seeing people killed by, uh, what is it, IEDs? IEDs, IUD? I don't know. What is it? IED. IEDs, which is, uh, what does that mean? Yeah, improvised means they put stuff into a pressure cooker if they need to, and they bury it in the ground. And, you know, it, it's meant to be something that explodes and, will it literally um, ruins tanks. So what do you think it would do to a soldier who happens to come by that? So to see your buddy, you know, ripped to, to shreds. So... I just want to tell you that there are causes all around and there are people that are hurting in various ways. And sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's long-term illness that causes PTSD. Because your illness and crying out to God and saying, when, oh God, and what about this? That's why we have to cast all of our cares on Jesus. See, why? Because he cares for us. And you're not meant to carry that burden. And that's what we have to do is come to him. He's the burden bearer, amen? So here's, here's what I felt like the, the, the word. It's not a 
not really related, but yet it is. Part of that is, is that, well, what can you do? You can, can you give a cup of water to somebody? Absolutely. You, you can give a cup of water to somebody. Can you drive a, you know, and take the water out to the stations where yeah, absolutely you can do that. Can you blow up some balloons? Yes, you can do it. Can you tie some strings and put them on the balloons? Yes. You know, what would we say? Oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do that. Serious. What it is, is that God has given you, he's packed into you his own righteousness. <laughs> he says, you are the light. He didn't call himself. He, he, others know that he's the light and the light came into the world. But that's not what he said when he, in, in Matthew, when he starts what's called the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're the salt and you're the light. Wow. What's that? Before the cross, he's declaring your salt and your light. And what, that, what does salt do? It adds flavor. Do you know that's what you do? When you show up, if you'll let somebody shake you out and put you on the stuff that you're supposed to be about, you're going to flavor it. You're going to season it. You're what makes it um, palatable. Did you ever think of yourself as you're, you're what makes something palatable? Because that's what it means. So you add it into it. You're the ingredient that, that tops off all the, you're the icing on the cake. Aren't you? That's the way it is that, that God says, you're like the icing on the cake. You're the salt and you're the light. I think of a celebration like birthday candles on the icing. Huh? So let's look at Acts chapter 7. I want you to read. Uh, how many know that the first martyr, remember his name? It wasn't Justin. That's right. Stephen. And so Stephen is the first martyr. What Do you remember where Stephen, what is this? Because in, in, in chapter 7 of... Uh, of Acts, some of your Bibles might say the sermon of, of Stephen, the sermon of Stephen. Well, let me just ask you this. How many of you shows the title there, chapter, chapter 7 of Acts, the very, very first, the, to, the topic at the top. Sometimes it says something. Does anybody say the sermon of Stephen? Stephen preaches to the council. His speech to the Sanhedrin. Anybody else got a title above that? Addresses the council. Good. Yeah, Stephen full of those. <laughs> wow. That is kind of like the end of the sermon, but yeah. That's it. Full of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what church and religion has made us? It's made us afraid of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean, afraid of the... Yeah, ooh, I don't know. What was pastor laying down for? Because I couldn't barely keep up. Why? Because I felt the fire of God, which is what I was praying for. I pray that you felt that. But, but you've, been, you've been lied to. Somebody has told you that the Holy Spirit was a bad thing. Somebody's told you, oh, you've got to be afraid of prophecy and tongues and all this stuff, all this fanatic. I'm telling you, you've been lied to and you've been cheated because you've come to a resistance and build up a resistance about who the Holy Spirit is. And what I felt is a little grief of God because what we've done is what we know of him is so far from what he wants us to know because we've been exposed to religion and we've been jumping through hoops. And then what we've done is we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. There are churches around this whole country that they don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, we read about him. Or we read about it, but it's not an it. He's a he. He's a person. And it says that because the fullness of the deity is in Jesus Christ, and if they're three in one, then that means God the Father, Jesus the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit are co-equal and all power, all eternal. Not one of them is diminished. And yet there are, there are people in religions, there are denominations who have taken the Bible and they've watered it down and made it when the perfect comes, the imperfect is done away as if they're calling the imperfect the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest, that's what they're calling the Holy Spirit because we got the perfect is the word of God now. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I've, I've actually debated and argued with preachers who are certain denominations who have said this is who the Holy Spirit is. He came for a purpose and that was to put together the word because the word is preeminent. And yes, the word is preeminent. It is important. But I want to tell you, they all three existed in the beginning and they are all three co-equal, co-eternal. That means there's not a diminishing part of God, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. He reigns full and he wants to be like that. And I'll tell you, the better we'll be is when we embrace that and allow it and say, God, what do you want to do with me with your Holy Spirit? And not everything that we do in the name of Jesus or, or by, the Holy, by the Holy Spirit or as the Spirit moves us is necessarily genuine. But here's the thing I, I took years ago, I said, I'd rather have a whole lot of Holy Spirit and a little bit of flesh than to have no Holy Spirit and a lot of flesh. So folks, what it means is we're imperfect vessels and here we're going to have the glory of God manifest in us by his Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not really even, this is the Holy Spirit that I'm speaking by. Um, that's not my message, but I, I feel like I want, I want to give that to you. I want it to be that in the safety of your own homes, you, you go into a, a closet, go into the basement, go into the woods somewhere, but just ask for the fire to fall, the fire of the Holy Spirit to come in your life in whatever way he wants. Don't even tell him how you want him to come. See, well, Lord, I'd like my prayer language. Lord, I'd like to be a prophet. Lord, I'd like, no, no, just, just let him say, God, here I am. I'm your vessel. I'm your guy. I'm your gal. And I want you to pour out your Holy Spirit on me. And I want it to be whatever you want. And I just want to shut up and I'll, I'll pause here. And if you want me to lay down and shut up, I'll do that. If you want me to remove my sandals, I'll do that. I just want to give you that sometime this week. Find a way that you say, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, would you come? Have your way in me. Amen? So here's the point about Stephen. I'm running out of time. Here's the point about Stephen. What was, what was Stephen? What was the origin of Stephen? Do you remember the origin of Stephen? We got this guy, Judas, who failed. He's the one who was a traitor to Jesus, right? He turned Jesus in. And guess what he did? He didn't think, he thought Jesus was going to totally respond differently. He thought Jesus was going to show his power. He was going to make the kingdom come right now. That's part of the reason Judas did it. Instead, what happened is, is Jesus came to be the lamb that was led to slaughter. And Judas missed that point of it. And he was trying to make his, his own way. I want this to happen. It's time, Jesus. So if I, if I sell him, 30 pieces, it wasn't about the, the, the silver, but, but what was Judas? He was the money keeper. He was the treasurer of the disciples. And so he understood money. And hey, if I can get money and then force Jesus' hand and he's going to rise up and he's going to establish the kingdom again. He said that's what he was trying to do. And when he found out that he couldn't force God's hand and he couldn't force Jesus to, to do what Judas wanted, then he, 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 was, he was sickened. He was sorrowful to the point he threw the money back at the, at the priests. So he threw it back at him. Why? Because that's not what it was about. And then he found out that he was 
He was wrong. He was wrong all along. So you know what? You can say he repented. Doesn't say he repented. Just says he threw the money in grief and then he went out and hung himself. That's what he did. Hung himself. So then we've got this problem because now we're missing a disciple. So this is the last time in the Bible that it says, well, let's roll the dice. Let's draw straws. Let's, Let's choose based on some process that we had. Some election. So they all did that. Remember the story? Do you remember the name of the guy who replaced Judas? Starts with M. Yeah, Matthias. So this guy, Matthias. Most people never heard of Matthias. Only if you've read it, you'd remember Matthias. Why? Because Matthias didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything that's notable enough that he made this, this, this good book. So then there comes a problem in the book of Acts. It talks about all these these uh, two types of Jews and these women, and they're not being fed and treated equally. And so they come to the disciples and said that we're not being treated. uh, The Hellenistic Jews aren't being treated fairly. And so there seems to be preferential treatment going on. Does that sound familiar? Does anybody ever whine about, it's not fair. It's it's not fair. And so that's what happens. It's not fair. And so what happens is they said, listen, We're supposed to be reading the Bible, studying the word. We're supposed to be preaching. We're supposed to be teaching. We're supposed to be praying. We're not supposed to be serving tables. So they said, here's the deal. Go out and find for yourself. Find these guys who are faithful, who are upright, who have certain qualities. And he said, you you take them. Guess what? Stephen was one of them. As a matter of fact, let's see if I can't find it with my... It's in verse chapter 6. Ready? Chapter 6. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of, a Hellenistic, of, of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples. Matthias was one of the twelve now. Summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not de- desirable for us to to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Look at verse 5. This statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. There's your seven. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued. So here's Stephen. What is he doing in chapter 7 preaching? He's supposed to be serving tables. It's the disciples who are going to devote themselves to preaching, to prayer, to these things. What is Stephen doing in that position? He's full of the Holy Spirit. Because he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's got to be led to do what God says. And he can, I can serve tables and preach. How about that? Any of you can walk and chew gum? Yeah, you can multitask. It's not just a woman thing. I'm multitasking all the time. I'm like a Tasmanian devil in that way. I'm going nuts. I've got so many tasks. Guess what? 
God has anointed each and every one of us for a purpose. You know what anointing is? That's what it says. They laid hands on him right then and prayed for him. And that's an anointing that comes. And God said that's the way he was going to do it. That's what we all need is we need to have an anointing. And we need to have that anointing released. That's what class 301 is about this afternoon. It's called shape. We're going to talk about your shape. When you're out of shape, guess what happens? <laughs> Why would you get weary in serving God? Why would you get weary about going to church? Why would you get weary about? Why? Because I'm not full of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not in spiritual shape. We need to be in spiritual shape. So here's what happens. It says that Stephen, here, here this is the, the word. I've got to bring this quick. Here's the problem. He was hired, if you will. He was brought in to serve tables. But he has an anointing and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And um, evidently he's not one of the complainers. Wow. How many of you want to have a complainer on your team? Uh-uh, no way. So what happens is, is here he is. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Because he's full of the Holy Spirit, he goes out and he's preaching. And, and I want to call your attention to this. Go ahead and put that scripture up on the wall, if you would. It says that in, in his preaching, all of chapter 7 is, is this preaching that he's doing to these people who you'll find out are going to kill him. Okay, they're not his friends. But here it was in verse 20. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about Egypt. He's talking about how they were in slavery. And it says in verse 20, it was at this time that Moses was born and he was lovely in the sight of God and he was nurtured three months in his father's home. How many of you know about the story of Moses? Raise your hand if you know that story about Moses, basically his birth. They'd sent out a, a, a demand that because there were so many, uh, so many Israelites or Hebrews at that time, so many Hebrews being born that they told the midwives now that you start letting the babies die. The male, male babies, you let the male children die. Don't, don't, don't birth them. When you're birthing them, let them die. So in Moses, it says that that's not what happened for Moses. He was nurtured and then... The story is, is that she put Moses in the basket to send him down. When it came to a certain point, he's three months old and says, you know, the only way for him to live is for, for her to trust God. And there's a big principle in there. That's a whole different sermon. But bottom line is, is that he, she, he, she puts him in this basket. Guess where he ends up? Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's sister, I think it was, who draws him out of the, out of the water. You know who they employed? Talk about providence. Talk about how God oversees his word. Gets his mom to feed her son, who now has been adopted into Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh, by the way, is the ruler, the king of Egypt. He's it, the top dog. So there is Moses. It says then in verse 21, three months in his father's house. That's how 20 end. And after he had been uh, set outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. And then we're going to end at 23. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Wow, Moses' life is broken down in three stages, 40 years, 40 years, and 40 years. 40 years as Pharaoh's son uh, in Pharaoh's household, 40 years in uh, 
the desert, wilderness. That's where he became uh, part of uh, Midianites. And then from there is 40 years of wilderness journey where he was leading the people out of, out of Egypt. So it's kind of interesting because he's born into favor. Now, here's what's interesting. You see that verse 22? Read it with me. Go ahead, Moses. I don't know if you've read Exodus. I just want to tell you that seems like that's a lie right there. Go back to Exodus with me. Okay? That's not what Moses says. Moses doesn't say, man, I've got this power and I've got this anointing and I'm going to go out and do mighty things for God. Wow, yes, I'm your man. That's not what happened. That's not what, what, that's not what he says himself. So here he is. What we get is this is why the whole counsel of the word of God is so important for us. Because if you read one verse, it sounds one way. But if you just got stuck at Exodus and you didn't go on into, into Acts, you wouldn't learn the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that that's not how, how he sees himself is not what he actually is. Hello, that's for you. How you see yourself isn't the way you actually are. That might be some truth to that. You know what you are outside of dressing yourself pretty and putting on a good, good face, right? But at the same time, sometimes what happens is you're deceived and you don't actually know the power that you have and the, the opportunity that you have and what God has a call on your life to fulfill a purpose that he's established for you. That's good preaching. You ought to say amen. Amen. You know why? Because that's the truth of God's word. Let me just take you back there. Will you go ahead and put that passage up on the wall? It's out of Exodus. Read this with me. But Moses said to God, because we know this, is that God had told him that he's going to go now and he's going to be a spokesman, right? Remember the burning bush? Okay. So here it is. Go ahead. Who are you? You were raised in his household. You understand the mechanics. You understand the governance of it. You understand, you know who the movers and shakers are. You grew up with that. You know the way to get around the back door, so to speak. You don't have to go through this. You know, you know the whole system. That's who you are. He forgot who he is already. The wilderness will do that to you. It'll make you when you're out there and you feel guilty. Remember, he killed an Egyptian. Because you feel guilty, you'll end up wanting to run and hide. And what will happen is you'll lose your identity in running and hiding. Sometimes that starts early on. That I don't want to go to church anymore. Mom and dad made me go to church. And so you'll come up and you'll, you'll end up wandering around because you'll leave church because you didn't find the answers. Because it was boring. Because you didn't understand. And what will happen is you're going to live your life in the wilderness and you'll lose your identity that God gave you. And God wants you to come back to your identity, to your purpose. And he's already established that for you and he wants you to have the light come on. And that's what many of us in this room, you know what I'm talking about. When God opened your eyes and you understood salvation. And when you come to the point of getting purpose, what you were created for. And then you're, you, now it's kind of like, okay, we're adrift. 
And what we need to do is, is we need to be anchored and we need to come into port and we need to say, okay, let's, let's form an armada. That's what the body of Christ is, is like an armada. And we come together and if you're alone, you'll be picked off, but not when we're an armada. When we're an armada, we've got all the coverage. We've got a destroyer and we've got a cruiser and we've got the battleship and we've got the, we've got the aircraft uh, carrier. We've got it all there and we're, we're safe in this place as we travel and not adrift, but as a, as a, a floating armada. That's the body of Christ hooked up, common cause, common battle. That's what we're doing. So what happens is one more verse. Did we have that? Did I give you a series of them? I think in Exodus chapter four. It starts at verse 10. And I'm going to lead right into communion with this. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow. Wait a minute, hold it there. What? I've never been? You will not grow up in Pharaoh's house and not be taught and educated. It is the best education you could possibly get. When you're in the king's house, you're going to get a private tutor and you will be taught up because someday you're expected to rule and reign. Someday you're going to be the next Pharaoh. You're going to be the next king. I'm going to tell you, you get the best of private schools. So what is this? When he's confronted with the holiness of God, he says, and God says, Moses, I want you to go and do this. And Moses, he shrinks back. What is it that caused you to shrink back? Don't you remember? I mean, I'm the guy that I revealed myself to you in the fire and the bush is not consumed. Can you say miracle? Wow. You've just had this vision of me and you've been in the desert. You've been in the wilderness and you've been so dry and you've been so thirsty. And now when I reveal myself, you're so far gone that you forget. And now you look at yourself as you're not eloquent and you don't know anything. You're slow of speech. Let's go to the next verse. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now. Then go and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. Do you remember what the New Testament says? Don't worry when you come before princes and kings. The Holy Spirit will give you the very words that you're to speak. Folks, that's the reason we started with the Holy Spirit. Because that's where it ends. And that's where it begins. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's what we need for our lives. Guess what? It's ours. Jesus says it this, Luke eleven thirteen. I say it all the time, but I'm saying it for those who haven't heard me say it before here. He says, who, when your son asks for a loaf of bread, would give him a rock? Did you ever do that to Matt? Because he's, let's call him a step, stepson, right? He's not of your own flesh. Did you ever treat him like that? The answer is no. When you saw what he needed, you gave it to him in abundance. And stuff he didn't even deserve. I'll bet he got stuff he didn't even deserve through the way. Why? Even though he's 
He's, I could say, well, he's not mine. It's not my, my responsibility. I married you. He says, so if your son asked for uh, some fish, would you give him a scorpion, a snake? No, especially if he's afraid of snakes. And then it, it changes because he says, if you, being earthly, know how to give good gifts to your, your children, how much more does your Father in heaven will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit. I was talking about bread and fish. I know what you're talking about. You're thinking in natural terms. But I'm telling you, I'm a supernatural God. And I know that what you need beyond bread and fish, you need the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy one of God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, his name is Jesus. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, he took a cup, he took the bread, he said, This is it. This is a new covenant. These two things. This is what it's all about. My life. I've come that I might be broken. That you can be whole. I've come that my blood would be shed. So that you will be cleansed. That in. I'll take your guilt. And you get my innocence. I'll take your guilt. You get my innocence. Can you just say wow God. Wow, God. Folks, we practice open communion. Open communion means this. If you know Jesus Christ, if you've invited him into your heart as Savior, Redeemer, that he's reconciled you to God, then you can participate with us this morning in communion. What we do is we have a little... uh, Do we have extra up here in case somebody doesn't have one? Like me? (laughs) Thank you. You got one? We'll get the basket, but... If you don't have one, um, I don't want it to seem um, because it's some packaged little thing. What happens is you're unwrapping it, which is exactly what God did with Jesus. Remember, he lost his robe in the process. Remember, they tried to give him a, a man-appointed robe, and that's not the kind of robe he would ever wear. It wasn't about that. It was about the robe of righteousness. That's who he is. And that's what he's about to do. He's going to exchange these filthy garments because he's going to take our filth. And God's going to dress him up. He's going to get holy, redeemed garments. Amen. So if you need, uh, if you need, if you haven't received a, a, a communion cup, if you would just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Everybody's okay. Let me just tell you, God's the one who makes you worthy. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. He did. And he is. And he will. And Moses says, in times past, in the present time, and in the future, I can't even see me ever speaking on your behalf. (laughs) And finally, it says that God was disgusted with Moses. 
I'm sure he gets disgusted with me every now and then. And he says, you've got a brother Aaron, don't you? He says, what is that you have in your, your hand, Moses? Got a staff. He says, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going to, I'm going to do miracles through you. You're going to be amazed with what happens. And you know what? From there on, if you read the rest of the narrative of Moses' life, how many times did Aaron come before Pharaoh? There's not once where Aaron came before, before Pharaoh because it wasn't Aaron's job. It wasn't his anointing. It was Moses' anointing. And he said, God said, I'll give you, Moses, the very words that you're to speak. Some of us will never do that. Some of us are just going to tie knots around a balloon and we're going to be serving the Lord. And great is your reward. But some of you, you've shied away from what God has for you because you've believed a lie. You've lived in a wilderness. You've lived separate from him because I never knew God was like this. I never knew church was like this. I never knew. I never knew. And God says, open. I want to open your eyes and it's going to come by the Holy Spirit. It's going to come because I'm going to open it up and it's going to be like coming through the tunnels into Pittsburgh. What you saw is a mountain that on the other side of the mountain lies this glorious layout. It's going to be like that, that you're going to see things in God's word and you're going to understand how you fit in like you never understood how you fit in. And if you've been trying to get good enough, you'll never make it because he's already made you good enough. It shows that your mind needs to be transformed because you're doing it based on stinking thinking. And so that's where you just come and surrender. That's what this is about. As he says, God, if possible, let this cup pass before me. But nonetheless, not even a pause, but nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so he says, I take this bread. He says, this is, this is my body. That's what he told his, the, the intimate guys, the closest buddies, BFFs. He says, this is my body. I'm going to give it for you. Oh, they're they're going to treat it wretched. They're going to bust me up. They're going. I'm going to bleed all over the place. I'm going to be weakened. But Papa said, not one bone is going to be broken. They're going to try. They're going to beat me within an inch of my life. But I'm telling you, that's that, that's that's what this is. My body will be broken for you, so that you'll be whole. He said, take and eat. So let's give him thanks. Say, thank you, Jesus. I receive. Then if you're careful and peel that foil back. He says, behold, this cup, this cup of wine is what it was. We use grape juice. He says, this cup is the is a cup of my blood. Mm, sounds weird. It's all right. It's a cup of my blood. My blood, which will be poured out for you. It'll be pour, poured out for the sins of the whole world for all time. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Once and for all, God's changing everything. Forget that old law. We're not doing that anymore. We're coming into this new place of grace by my, my, by my blood. Says it's a new covenant, new way of doing things. God's declaring it. He says, Take and drink the blood that washes us clean. His blood that he poured out voluntarily. It wasn't taken from, he gave it. So, Jesus, we thank you that you've made a new and better way. And we
We receive that right now in Jesus' name. Um, I can't tell you, folks, that if, if I can't get you to do anything else ever in your life, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, that's the first place. Worship team, if you come on up. The second thing is this, this next gift. This Jesus is this gift. If there's two, two, tree, two, two presents under the tree, one is Jesus Christ, and the second is his Holy Spirit. And he says this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift because we can't do something to, 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 for ourselves. It's, it's, he's God's giving it. God's the giver. How many want God to give to them? Huh? So if you'll get the Holy Spirit, if you'll ask him to give you his Holy Spirit, and whatever you know of him already, ask him for some more. It's okay because he's one abundant. He's an abundant God. Amen?